What's going on, world? I'm Nick Ross, and this is Fish Tank Sessions. Fish Tank Sessions. Holy bananas. We got Reckless Ryan in the house tonight. Reckless Ryan. His birth name is actually Ryan Butler, but you can call him Reckless Ryan. And Reckless Ryan is a... DJ, producer, event thrower, just kind of all the above, the best mix you can actually want to expect in the scene that we love. So I'm going to keep things simple. Just kind of throw the mic over to you right now. Tell us who you are. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you are here in the fish tank with Reckless Ryan and Nick Rouse. Hey, man, that someone's going to sample that, and that's going to be like a dope-ass rhythm track. It could be. Hey, I mean, you could, I, I've seen shit just like you could turn any type of noise into any kind of sample, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, this dude, Mashpit, he's a local producer from Dallas. He's this coming dude, out tomorrow. Yeah, oh, hey, turn up, plug. What up, Darius? <laughs> Plugged him hard. I didn't even know that, bro. That's, hey, you know what I'm saying that's good Ooh, party already, foul already fucking up over here <laughs> hey when reckless is around we get reckless anyway uh he did a squeaky door or some shit turned into a track bro Dude, I, I watched that shit and i was just like it, it was absolutely hilarious to see how he like cut all that up and then and then changed up the, the pitches on it and then just made it into like some ridiculously sick drop it yeah was, dude Bom- bombs away used to do that all the time too back in like the bounce days they'd sit there and get some stupid sample and then be like bum, 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 with it and it'd be like dude how in the fuck did you do that how like i i'm I guess I'm not a producer. I'm just a... It's, it's a complete <laughs> art form with the way that you can make music into something that just turns out to just be an annoying creak or just like the drop of a ball and then just can completely change the sound of it and then make it just sound just so fucking cool. Right. It's crazy, bro. I don't... It's... Yeah, it's an art form that I just... I wish I knew. So, man, you're here. <laughs> I mean, you, you, had a, you probably had a little bit of a haul to get over here because when you texted me, you were like an hour away. I was like, oh, shit, he must be coming from somewhere far away. Yeah, you know traffic. You know Texas traffic. And then they're working on every highway every imaginable. Highway. Yeah. So every, every highway has 100 million people. We got traffic. We got, you know, all these people moving to Texas because Texas is beautiful and, you know, all the great prices and everything. I wish some people would just <laughs> stay where they're at because it's getting way too overcrowded over here. It is. It's almost making me want to leave this place. <laughs> yeah, it's making me want to go uh, a little bit more south Texas. But <laughs> then I'm away from my Dallas Stars. And uh, I, I see you, you're rocking the Dallas Stars sweatshirt. I saw it when you came in. So I was like, damn, this guy must be a huge Dallas Stars fan. Bro, you're lucky I'm not wearing the jersey and the hat and the <laughs> shoes. Bro, I got the shoes. I got green uh, Converse to match the jersey. I got the hat. All different colors i got black green white i got all dude just a walking star man yeah so people are like you know they're about their cowboys right i'm about my dallas stars man we just had the winter classic and we beat nashville at least you win something with that because the cowboys can't do shit lately no no they cannot so we're hoping the stars can uh you know actually make it to the cup this year hopefully we'll see it'll be a big pouring cup but come on man who are you what do you do what's your story (laughs) Uh, Ryan, Reckless Ryan, Daddy Reckless, Captain Reckless, anything you like to call me with Reckless in it, I'm about. Man, I am a DJ, producer, event thrower, uh, label head, everything dad, and I'm a dad first and foremost, actually. So, 
I'm sure baby mama's going to be mad I missed that one. But. <laughs> hey, you got it out there, so now yeah, we yeah. all know. We good, we good. We'll edit, edit, put it in the front. <laughs> uh, but man, I mean, I'm just, I'm a dude, man, and I love music, and I love getting music to people. I love playing music. I love finding music, discovering music, man. I mean, I love to sit in front of my computer and just find new tracks, right, that I think is just going to either rock or build a vibe. <laughs> Because you don't need everything to rock. You know what I mean? You don't. And to be honest, man, I remember the first time, this was this was like probably about four or five, I think it was about five years ago, the first time somebody introduced me to SoundCloud. I was an iTunes guy. All I did was buy my music on iTunes, and all of a sudden, someone showed me SoundCloud, and I was like, holy shit, what is this platform? What does it do? And then I started finding all this new music out, and I didn't even know all this music even existed. Right. And I was in like a whole other realm of music and it was like all this underground unreleased and it's just like a whole different jelly bean jar full of different artists and different styles of music it just kind of blew my mind it's oh, yeah. it still blows my mind that all of this still exists and i still talk to people today i don't even know what soundcloud is <laughs> yeah it's oh, man and especially now like soundcloud is just a shell of what it used to be right it is nothing like uh, whenever I discover, and I'm sure when you discover it was roughly around the same time, right? Even now, you can still find amazing stuff on there and independent labels that are pushing stuff and channels and everything that are just, you know, top-level music that you won't ever even hear. That's what's crazy about it. Man, if you don't somehow just discover somebody's channel, sometimes you'll never, you know what I mean? It will... You'll just never hear a genre or you'll never hear a certain track that's like, this is the best track I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Productions, on point, mastering, mixing, everything about it, the emotion, everything, and it has five plays. Yeah, exactly. And not even just like that, but like even like the popular songs that, you know, the other people listen to every day, like what I would call like the now album or the top 40 to the top 50s. But you see some of these incredible remixes that are done on those tracks that is never released on the radio. You'll never hear it anywhere else, but if you go to SoundCloud, you'll just find it. Yeah, and like I said, been back in the day, it used to be even more. Like now they kind of get strict, right, with their copyright laws yep. and man, sometimes your stuff gets taken down before it even gets posted sure. up, right? Yeah, absolutely. But the few that squeak through now, oh my god, yeah, there's so much great stuff. I I go to SoundCloud to load up on top 40 remixes before a gig because Makes uh, sense. Yeah, man. I mean, people love Top 40, right? They do. I mean, that's I mean why it's it Top 40. Depends on the crowd you're playing for, but if you're playing for that type of crowd, I mean, if you can throw that popular Top 40 song into a whole other mix that they've never heard before, for one, they already love it. And then when they hear that little extra twist on it, like, mm -hmm. holy shit, what is this? Right? <laughs> or people who don't like the song, right? But you sit there and play that remix, and that remix opens up to them, their ears, right? Because it's their genre, right? Like, I'm playing a Tech House remix of Post Malone or something. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't like rap. I don't like Posty, you know, whatever, whatever. But they got that Tech House groove, and they're dancing. And then you catch them say, oh, that's Posty, that's Posty. And you're like, yo, five minutes ago, you was messing with Posty. Not now you all. dig it. <laughs> now you're a huge Post fan. Mm-hmm. So, man, dude, you were here. You know, you showed me some of the shit you were working on, showed me some of the music that you already had released. You know, kind of tell me what that's about. I mean, you know, I know you still play at shows, you do events, and you you, you still you produce music. Oh, you yeah. know, I heard you said that you're not a producer, but, I mean, based on what you showed me today, you are a producer in my book. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I produce. It's just on the back end, right? I'm more of a DJ than a producer. Um, I'm trying to kind of switch that. It's just, man, it is with the kids and then with the job, right? Because you have real life functions. I mean, man, I wish we could all just sit here and make music and, you know, do whatever all day. But Live in you know, Candyland. Yeah, but 
unfortunately, I live in the mean, mean real world. You know what I'm saying? I got bills to pay, and the bill collector's coming, man. So, yeah. And, you know, baby needs diaper and formula, boy. So, your boy has to get that cheddar cheese. You know what I'm saying? So, I sit there, and I have to go to work and deal with the kids and everything, which ain't, you know, it is what it is with it. I'm not, I'm no complaining on it, but uh, sitting in front of a computer on my little bit of free time is hard to get into the zone that you need to get into because you almost like have to like mentally block out everything else that's going on and just yeah. like get into like focus zone yep sometimes uh you know i have to take a day or two of you know vacation at work and just hey put the kids with the grandparents i need to shut the door turn the lights off throw whatever type of vibe i need to get on going and just you know, stick my head into the laptop and get to work. It's funny you say that because that's actually what I'm doing right now. So I took a vacation at work from Friday and I'm actually off work until I go back on Wednesday. There you go. So I did that primarily just so I can complete some of the edits that I have to work on. Right. And I was like, there's no way that I have enough time after work. So you know what? I have I have a few vacation days. Let me just go ahead and take them and just make myself a five-day beautiful weekend, Mm -hmm. and that's where we are. Today's Monday. I got one more day left of freedom, and I'm looking forward to it. There you go, man. And, you know, I read this thing, man, that these jobs don't care about you, right? You're replaced so quick. Like, you're nothing, right? So why not take a day or two of mental health, right? Man, because, I mean, I know you work in sales or whatever, right? And then I I know I deal with numbers all day, too. And, uh, man, I just know that, you need to get away from that for a little bit. You do. Absolutely. It's it, sometimes just looking at numbers all day and looking at these reports and these spreadsheets and these, these different pie charts. It's like, Holy God. It's, Sometimes you feel like a robot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you're leaving work, right? And you've been staring at a computer all day, so your eyes are all there's white around everything because you just haven't blinked in five hours. I know what the sick part is. You know, you you leave work looking at a computer all day, and then you come home and work on your own project, and you're staring at a computer all day. It's a different computer. Don't worry about it. It's a different (laughs) computer, man. It's like it's like Wolf of Wall Street, man. You just all those numbers, man. You gotta you gotta release some energy. Go. Those are rookie numbers, Sean. You better chunk, get them up. <laughs> Great classic. You know, I want you to kind of tell us a little bit about what you, I mean, because you were telling me a really fantastic story earlier when we were in the living room, just kind of having a chat over a beautiful Coors Light. I think it was a Coors Light. Right? It's is as that, cold as it is, Rockies. It is a Coors Light. I was like, did I buy Miller's? No, I, did, I bought Coors. Okay. Born in the Rockies, established nine, 1978. Is it true? Like I heard, like some of the cans, like they have like the mountain. If it's cold, it turns blue. Is that like yeah. a real thing? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I've never seen a blue mountain on a can. But then again, I really haven't looked that close. Yeah, maybe it's all just bullshit. <laughs> Who knows? Hey, it's a good marketing thing, right? Hey, hey, man, buy the case. Do you see the mountains? Fuck it, I'm still going to drink it anyway. Right? right? Maybe you start seeing the mountains when you're drunk. Ah, <laughs> that would make a lot more sense. Right, just hold it up to the damn light and you'll start seeing the mountain shine. <laughs> well, you got to finish the beer before you see the mountains. Okay, that's how it works. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. Good job, course. <laughs> this one's for you. No, so, I mean, you were kind of showing me some of, the, um, some of the mixes that you were working on, some of the music that you have produced currently, and some of the ones that you're working on that are going to be released sooner on, later on this year. So um, kind of tell me a little bit about like how you got started in that whole mix. I mean, I think you started DJing at a young age. And then kind of tell me how that all transitioned into the producing side. And then talk to me about kind of what type of events you've thrown and where you've been. I mean, obviously, you've been more places than just, you know, Texas. So kind right. of share that with me. Uh, man, yeah. So I got started in DJing and 
Yeah, pretty much just DJing back in like 2010, a little bit of 2009, but I don't really count it. It's more just, you know, pressing random buttons on FL Studio Demo and thinking I'm doing anything, right? <laughs> and uh, so I got into virtual DJ, you know, learned some tutorials from YouTube and, <laughs> you know, put it out. I, so I actually afforded my first um, DJ setup, like my first tables from selling mixtapes off virtual DJ uh, to like teachers and kids at school in ninth grade. Straight up. What were these mixtapes? Oh, man, whatever they wanted, dog. I was like, if you're paying, I'll do whatever you want. Like, I made a t-shirt, like, a Pink Floyd and Fleetwood Mac and, like, Aerosmith, right? Like, all these 70s jams. And then I did some, like, house parties, right? They wanted to rap and everything. I didn't have the equipment, so I couldn't play it. So I recorded, like, you know, at the time, like, Kid Cudi and... Oh, what's his name? Day and night. Yeah, dude. And the Kanye West. And then Lil Wayne was still popping oh, hardcore. Man, I remember those Lil Wayne days. Like, I, when I was in college in 2008, Lil Wayne was like the man oh, to yeah. listen to. Oh, yeah, dude. And, I mean, that was like the number one requested stuff, right? was Kid Cudi, Kanye West, Lil Wayne. That's true. Like the new Eminem that was coming out. People were still digging it. You know, like uh, not relapse, but recovery, right? Uh-huh. Recovery just came out or was about to come out or something. So people were all still in the Eminem before, you know, he fell off and then came back. <laughs> yep. And, uh, no, yeah. he fell down, got back up. Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, man, yeah, I would just do all that. Like, I did one uh, for another teacher, and it was a old school, man. And that actually is what got me into old school rap, too, right? So doing these mixes got me into more music that I didn't necessarily know about. Like, I knew about Pink Floyd and Aerosmith and stuff from my dad, you know, and I knew about Kid Cudi and Wiz and stuff like that because, I mean, I... I was a teenager in that time. Oh, yeah. Everyone knew about it. We all, we all, we were all immersed into that kind of music, and that was kind of the vibe. I feel like. I mean, I know for myself personally, that's where I kind of came from. I right. Mean, Wiz Khalifa to me is just like my motivational playlist. Like I have a motivational playlist on my SoundCloud, which mm-hmm. is all just straight Wiz Khalifa. Hell yeah, dude! I have a uh, a drive around playlist. It's like Good Vibes is what it's called, and dude, it's got Wiz, it's got old school Daft Punk, it's got like all this old uh, rap and like electronic. It's got bass hunter and stuff like that it's got like old wheezy on it old kid cuddy it's got all that stuff that i used to jam right and like you know now you play it and everyone's like kind of like depending on who you're with they'll be like oh what the fuck are you listening to that old ass shit for right but man when i'm in my car on my way to work oh i am getting it man and y'all can't <laughs> see but i am dancing right now i'm getting it and uh man it's good vibes for sure you know what i'm saying always i mean sometimes that that old like nostalgic music that you used to jam to back in the day when you were younger i mean that's the stuff that hits you at home yeah and we all have those playlists i mean everybody does because i've talked about it too with my own with my own friend circles and we all have those vibes that just kind of bring us back home yeah oh, the nostalgic for a reason you used to listen to them for a reason because they made you happy and especially you know now we're all in to work and you know, most of our day is spent somewhere we don't, you know, just necessarily want to be. We, you know, probably be anywhere else. But you know what I'm saying? We, we got to be there. And so, you know, sometimes you need a warm up to be even just get your day going, man. You get some coffee, you get some good music. Bro, that makes your work day a whole lot better. You know what I'm saying? Put a little pep in your step when you walk around the office. So, uh, yeah, those playlists are fun. But back to the, the CDs. Yeah, I, I had to do an old school rap CD. 
for one of my teachers, right? I'm talking Biggie, Nas, Tupac, man, uh, old school Stoop Dog, you know, Dre, Public Enemy, all this stuff, right? And a lot of the stuff I didn't know. Like, I didn't know about Nas. I knew about Snoop, and I knew about Dre and all that stuff. I didn't know about Nas or Mob Deep or, you know, any of that stuff, man. I, Nas doesn't even ring a bell to my ear. Oh, bro. After this interview, check out Nas, I'll, I'll, I'll be checking them out. Check out sure. Illmatic, one of the best rap albums ever made, dude. Nas is dope. Uh, but I learned a lot of old school rap, right? And a lot of like, not the soul, but you know, a lot of what birthed rap or made it become at least what it is, you know? Sure. And man, that opened up my ears to so much stuff too. Like just production wise and then just lyrically, right? Because I do a little rapping on the side as well. You, you know? showed me that. And it kind of blew me away because I mean, when, <laughs> when I first met you today, I was like, you know, I didn't know, and then I was, when you were told well, me, I mean, I'm wearing you, shit kickers. So, <laughs> but that's the thing you can't judge a book by its cover. And then when you were showing me like the song that you played that you actually rapped in, I was like, holy shit, that's you! Damn, <laughs> fucking going ham. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I I'm trying to get some more stuff going right now. It's hard with kids screaming in the background. I can imagine. <laughs> so, right, you know, that's another uh, goal of mine to pick up again in about three or four years. My kids are a little older, and I'd be like, hey. Dad's going to record, you know, shush it for a little bit. So right now they don't get it, and they're just – they like to play with the audio equipment. So that's fun. Well, I mean, their kids like to play with everything, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It won't be long. I mean, my kid, uh, anytime I – anytime I'm working on a new song, I'll take off the headphones and put it through the speakers. And if my kid's dancing to it, I know it's lit because he dances to everything house. I put on a uh, Carl Cox mix, and that boy was sitting there jamming. So, <laughs> so, so would you say that your kid is maybe your biggest fan? Yeah, probably. I can't wait. His name's Rhett. I got Rhett and Reed. So, you know, I got the reckless name flowing through. Uh-huh. Reckless Rhett and Reckless Reed, baby. <laughs> so that's, that's they're going to be future recklesses for sure. No, I mean, that, that's got to be pretty wild. I mean, especially if you get your kids in the mix. But, hey, watch out, though. I've seen some of these young kids. They learn real real quick nowadays. They might be passing you up sooner or later. So watch out for that one. Hey, I'm all about it, man. You know what? Hey, if I got to ride their coattails, I'm about it. I'll be reckless dad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm cool with it. Anyway, yeah, so I, I sold mixtapes and everything at school to afford all the music equipment. I had a shitty Gemini CDM 300 or 3,200, I think, 3,200. Probably not even worth mentioning. No. Oh, my God, dude. So you couldn't tell BPMs. Like, your track time's wrong half the time. Your tempo faders, like, were so janky, dude. And it was all in one. It was CDs. Like, I learned on CDs, dog. Like actual, know. like the round CDs? CDs, bro, that you had to burn, bro. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so anytime you get a scratch or anything, it'd be sitting there like... <laughs> oh, dude, awful. Just awful, awful, awful. And, uh, you know, it, I, you had to learn on... Back then, man, it was different, right? Because controllers were just kind of really blowing into what they are now. Everyone and their mom has a controller at the house. You can buy a little $50 controller. Yeah, I mean, I got one in the closet that I don't ever use. A little new mark. Yeah, dude. And off those, I mean, you can do festival-quality mixes. You really can. Like, if you know what you're doing, you can do festival-quality mix of a $50 mixer. Well, I remember, too. Like, I I think I was – this was probably my freshman year of college. I went to Musician's Friend. And I, you know – I wasn't even like huge into like the DJ scene or even into like the electronic music scene, but I was like, you know what? I got a credit card. Right. So I saw this mixer. I don't even know what it was, but it was one of those ones that took CDs. So you literally had to put a CD in the left side mm-hmm. and a CD in the right side. Yep. And I bought it. I put the CDs in. I was fucking around with it for a couple of days. And I was like, 
I don't know what I'm even doing. <laughs> so I emptied my CDs and I took it back to musician's friend and I'm like, I needed my money back. <laughs> right. Yeah, dude. CDs were, God, they were a whole different ballpark. Man. Remember when we were like, remember when we were like younger, like in the kid, like when you were a kid and you had like a CD holder on your yep. visor. Yep. And it's like, that's where you, like, that was your, or you had like the binder full of like all the different That's CDs. what I had, dude. I had uh, Trans CD Volume 1, Trans <laughs> CD Volume 2. And I had, to, I had a huge, like 150 CD holder, right? I mean, this thing was massive. It had a handle and everything. Oh, but this God. thing was huge, dude. And uh, I had a little folder and it had, you know, Trans Volume 1. It had the track list and I had, I had written out the BPM next to the song and everything. So, I could sit there and look at it and then sit there and mix and try to get it right. Cause man, so no, not long after I bought the setup, right? I started doing live streams, right? Had a webcam, whatever, right? And I got on with this UK online radio. And man, it, I think one week I did an audition and they're like, yo, we love it. We love that you're like 13 or whatever. And we love your sound. They're like, you know, a little rough around the edges going back and looking now. Not a little, a lot of rough around the edges. But they fucked with it. They loved it. So they're like, we're going to put you on. We're going to make you the headliner. Partially because of the time difference, right? There's seven hours or whatever ahead. My nine o'clock would be their 2 a.m. Oh, this is uh, got UK. Got yeah, it. yeah, UK, UK. And uh, so I was like, yo, I'm about it. And so it was every Friday and Saturday. Every, instead of going out to parties, instead of hanging out with friends, my ass was in my room, you know, by myself, mixing for hour to four hours on this UK radio station, talking to people over in Europe. At 13. At 13. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I remember what I was doing when I was 13. <laughs> and I wasn't doing anything close to that. I was probably eating a Lunchable and fighting <laughs> with my mom about something. So that, that's got to be a hell of an experience. So how did you first get like linked up with that UK radio? And like how did all that start? Facebook, man. So even now, right? Because, again, I don't have a whole lot of free time, man. I'm a full-time dad, full-time worker, over full-time. I damn near work a full and a part-time job. And then, uh, you know, just the music stuff on the side. I don't have time to go out and I sure as fuck don't have the money to go out all the time. You know, not like some people who some, I don't know how they do, but they go out and they just every night they're at a different club, more props to them, man. I wish I could do that. I really do. I can't, you know, so I got to make what I can do work and social media has been amazing. You know what I mean? It has, it has its downfalls, trust me. But if you use social media, right. And to be the way that it was meant to be, to network with people, dude, I mean, that's how I set this up. We didn't meet yep. in person? No, we did not. It, it's funny how it all met because I remember when I made my first post that I was going to be even releasing a podcast, you know, I had a bunch of people hit me up and say, hey, I want to come on. I want to come on. But you stood out to me personally because not only did you reach out to me, I think on Messenger first, then you kept like hitting me up and then we exchanged numbers and you were texting me. So you were like, hey, I really want to do this. So I was like, you know what? Absolutely. Anybody that wants to actually do something, you got to make it known. And you most certainly made it known, Ryan. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm very glad to be on and that we can work together and have met now in person, you know, and such and such. And uh, like I told you before, I love working with new startup uh, companies, if you will, right? New startup promotions, whatever. This is very fresh. I mean, we're only three weeks in, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I love working with that because not only, I mean, I've been around the block now, right? I've been doing this for 10 years now. I've been there, done that to almost everything except for, you know, playing ultra or anything. I've played numerous festivals. I'm going on a streak. I think it's like 
what eight years straight now that I've played a festival every year. That's a good trend to have. Yeah, I mean, every year I'm on a festival, and that includes this year. I'm doing Flow Fair, and then I'm on Norman Music Festival. So that's two in one year right there. Yeah. So, um, you know, every year it's more and more added to it, but I like to try to pass on whatever little knowledge I know. I'm not, I'm not acting like I'm any guru or anything, you know, I'm just a dude like But you still else. have the knowledge though. Cause it, even exactly. like when you came over, cause I mean, I checked out kind of your pages and I checked out what you're about and, you know, even I had questions for you just right. about Photoshop because, you know, yeah. I don't have Photoshop. And then the first thing I saw was I noticed your artwork on Reckless Ryan. I was like, wow, that looks pretty dope. I'm pretty sure he did that on Photoshop. And that was kind of my question to you and I wanted to kind of pick your brain to kind of see the kinks of Photoshop and you educated me a lot today on that program. Yeah, man, that's it's always man, it, it's beneficial for both parties, right? Um, you're helping me, you know, spread some reckless out. You know what I'm saying? I'm giving you another episode, Absolutely. and then knowledge is being shared on both parts. Yes, and as long as you're the uh, relationship is beneficial on both sides, everybody's winning. You know what I'm saying? Like that's with anything. That is literally the animal law. Is you don't a parasite is beneficial to one side. A mutual beneficial relationship is how you know systems thrive. I agree. Yeah, and, and I feel like too in this day and age. I mean, everyone's always trying to look look for a buck to do something, and it's not always about the money. It's about no. the relationship. Oh my god, yeah, that's dude. what it's all about these days. And some people, you know, they have that 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 business mindset where it's too business, where they don't really get like the whole okay networking part of things, where it's like okay, well, if you want to come on, or if you want to play at a show, or you want to you want to do an ad on my event, it's going to cost you you know a hundred bucks or three hundred bucks, whatever the case may be, but it's not in the beginning, you gotta you gotta just network and meet as many people as you can and do it for free. And a lot of people don't understand that, man. They don't get it, right? Because I mean that's the whole deal. You have to network. To sustain a career in any aspect, you have to network. You have to build that longevity. And how do you do it? By networking, by being everyone knows you. The brands that have been around forever, think UPS, you know, FedEx, Dr. Pepper, all these so they have a million commercials. That's what I'm saying. Think about all the money they put into that, right? Yeah, they're making bank, whatever. We're talking about you know Fortune 500 companies and such. Yeah, that, that 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 ad may just be a drop into the freaking janitor supply bucket for them. That's right. Nothing. But they had to get there. They had to put money into themselves to get there. I saw a quote, dude, and I am living by this quote now. I literally am, and it's how I base you know payment or non-payment on shows because there's a lot of shows, and I don't have I have no problem talking about this. I don't get paid for a certain amount of shows. I don't care. I do it for the vibes to have fun. I mean, dude, I have a full and a half time job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what pays the bills. This doesn't necessarily pay the bills, and I'm fine with that for the moment. You but know, but it's a passion for exactly. you. It's a passion. Yeah. And at one point, I'm sure it will pay the bills. I mean, I've been. Yeah, you know, I'm 24. I I'm not even at the prime of the DJ career. You got yet. your whole life ahead of you. That's what I'm saying. So right now, I'm just investing in the Reckless brand, the Flunk Records brand. I mean, all of it, right? And so I saw this quote, and it was, you know, you won't invest in yourself or your company, but you'll wait a full year for a 50-cent raise. Good point. Dog. Very good point. Dog, I saw that and was like, you know what? You fucking right. I was like instantly, I was like connected. I was like, you know what, man? They right. They super right. It's full on. It's go time. It's go time. Straight up. And that was the relaunch of Flunked, the relaunch of Reckless Radio, the relaunch of really just trying to sit down and get myself into the computer and working on music. Because I had uh, not necessarily given up on getting famous, right? But just took a back seat. I was like, I'm a dad now. 
I got a full-time job that I'm trying to move up. Got some at. other priorities taking yeah, over dude. and shit happens. Yeah. So I was like, I put everything in the back burner, back burner, you know, got life back on track, you know, paid bills off. I have no debt at 24. That's a good dang, place dang. to be. Yeah, dude. I'm, I got my life set, right? And like I was telling you earlier, you got to build the foundation to have a strong house. You can't put it on quicksand. Your boy built it on quicksand and that house sunk, dog. That house went under. So... We back and we good and man, I'm investing in myself and my company now, right? My small company, it, you know, we're not a Fortune 500. We probably will never be a Fortune 500, especially an electronic dance music label. I mean, let's be real, you let's, know what yeah, I'm saying? Let's be real. But we here and we building, man, and I'm not gonna sit here and just waste my life waiting on a 50 cent raise every year, man. I'm worth more than 50 fucking cents. No, you're absolutely right, and it's funny you say that because. I was kind of in that similar boat where, you know, every year, you know, the company that I'm at, you know, we get like a 3% raise on our base salary. Same, dog. Which, you know, at the end of the day, you're looking at only a couple of grand. And the end of, when I look at, like, money that I spend on just myself, right. investments to me, that price was near close to zero. Right. Besides, you know, my own joys of going out with people and my own emotional gains. Right. But as far as, like, raw investments for me... It was something that was lacking, and I realized, you know, just from the people that I listen to, is you have to invest in yourself. Yep. And the people that make it are the ones that do actually invest in themselves and, and put money aside for their own brand. Right. And, you know, I speak to a lot of people that maybe don't have the money to put that money in, but you know what? If you have money to go out and buy a Starbucks, or you have money to go out and take yourself to dinner, mm-hmm. or go buy you know, a bottle at the club, that means you have money to invest in yourself. You're just not setting your priorities straight. Yeah, like I was saying, man, I'm not out at the club, right? I am rarely at the club unless I'm playing. A, dad life. It's hard to go out with kids. But B, dude, I don't, I try not to spend unnecessarily money, right? Like my fast food intake cut off, right? I barely eat any fast food now. We barely go to restaurants. If we do, it's just to grab a drink with some friends. You know, you, Which you, you gotta, gotta have you gotta yeah. have that. You gotta yeah. have that that camaraderie, and you gotta have that release. I mean, you just can't. You know, you can't turn a an hour event into a six hour event. Yeah, that's when you go broke. You look at a bar tab, and you got a bar tab that's two hundred fifty bucks. It's like, what did I do? I just drank yeah. my money. Oh yeah, I've done that once or twice. So yeah. <laughs> get <too>. reckless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and that's that's been a big thing too. Was uh, you know having kids has helped me grow up, grow up, right? It's helped me uh, prioritize things, and uh, yeah, investing in yourself or myself in this case, right, is one of the big key things of what I saw not only with my future, but my kids' future, right? Because so let's say I'm at the peak of blowing up, right? Let's say I'm right there. I'm DJing all these festivals. I'm traveling. Blah blah blah. Now I have an in for my kids. You know what I mean? If they want to do it, cool. I have an in for them. I have all these mentors that can be around them now. I have experience. You know what I mean? So I could be their agent in the future when I'm, you know, too old to be traveling all the time. I can be their booking agent and have at least some wisdom to be like, yo, hey, that sounds sketch, dog. Don't do it. Or like, yo, hey, that sounds, you know, that company's cool. Work with them as much as you can. They might be starting up, but they look great. They have a great background, whatever, whatever. Just that experience and that knowledge. So that's part of what made me start investing as well is, again, the quote and then just the future aspect of it. Well, in this day and age, though, too, I mean, everything is so technology-based. Yep. When you think of the kids growing up now, Every kid is on an iPad, they're on a phone, they're on some type of device. Oh, yeah. And I grew up very old school, you know, old school parents that, you know, had their regular jobs, 
They weren't technologically savvy. Mm-hmm. I mean, in your in your shoes, think about it. When your kids get older and they want to start maybe diving into that realm of producing music, making music, or just building their own brand. Right. They at least now have a father that knows what that's like and kind of help them with that technological advances that maybe gives them that edge over somebody that just has to like watch YouTube videos and figure it out. Like right. someone like me. Yeah, that's how I started too. Like I said, I, I learned off uh, the DJ tutor, right? Elliskins, dude from the UK, dude's gnarly. This dude can do anything. But I learned from watching his videos because I lived in Podunk Nowhere, Texas, right? Say that one more time for the people in the back. I lived in Podunk Nowhere, Texas, boy. Podunk? Podunk, Texas. I didn't know that was a city. Oh, yeah. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up, like I said, I grew up in Saginaw and then moved out to fucking Boyd, pretty much, man. Middle of nowhere. And uh, where I went to high school, I think we had one DJ my freshman year, right? When I was first getting into it. And that was it. Chaboy was the only DJ in that whole high school. That high school had like 2,500 kids. It was a big high school, big 5A high school. And so uh, that helped as well, right? So I'm learning from YouTube. I'm testing out all this stuff. Some of it sucks. Some of it's good. I'm making mixed CDs for people, whatever, whatever, right? But the name Reckless is getting out because I'm doing more things, right? I'm all over Twitter when it first started. Not when it for about a year or two after it started, right? Facebook. I remember old Facebook. Good old Facebook, man. The old oh, remember, Facebook remember old school Facebook when it was like when you had to like make a status and it was like Nick Ross is. Yep. Ryan is. Yep. Like, and then all the notifications on your uh, side page and you come in, you see all those notifications. You'd be like, yeah, today's a good day. Yeah. Now it's all just like bots. Oh my God. So MySpace, right? Holy shit. MySpace, MySpace. is the initial how I learned how to promote myself on social media. Would you put your music like as you're like background dude no so i had an artist page on myspace so i had a band page on there and so learning how to promote off that because it would show you your stats i did the most basic i was like 12 or 13 right i mean literally i was just i didn't know what the hell i was doing production wise and so i was throwing up like mixes that if i could right some of them were too long and then loops because I thought that I was producing, right? I would just throw up like drum loops and like synths and stuff on top. Awful, unmastered, no no music theory to it at all. But no you didn't structure. know you were 13 years old. So that's how you learn shit, though. Exactly. And what I would get on there and do, right, is just sit there and go to Daft Punk's page or Tiesto's page and stuff and just start adding people. I mean, that's... What are they going to do? Say no? Right. That's it, bro. That's all they're going to do. Say, hey, your music sucks. You right. It probably does. That's hey, cool. You noticed it, though. Yeah, exactly. Whether you like it or you don't, you, you found me. You clicked and you pressed play, dog. You got my stat up. It's cool. I'll take a hate. It's all good. I don't care. Hate me, like me. At least you know me. Exactly. What is it? All publicity is good publicity, right? It is what it is with it. And I would sit there and add all these people, dude, and start network. I would talk with people and everything, make statuses, you know, that would get people that I knew would get people to start liking and stuff. So that was relevant in the MySpace days and shit. Dude, so I built it up. I think I had like 17,000 friends on MySpace at one point. Including Tom. Yeah, oh, including Tom, bro. Tom's the dog, Tom's dog. OG, man. He was my number one, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Top friends. Yeah, dog. And so, uh, man, I mean, just building from there, right? And then once MySpace just completely hit the fucking fan and everyone jumped to Facebook, it was like a back-to-reality thing, right? Is MySpace even still like a thing? Is it still on? So I'm 90% sure it's still a thing, but nobody uses it. It's kind of just like a dead website now. Gotcha. I mean, it's there, but... 
You know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm going to explore it later because if, if MySpace is still out there, I'm going to create a profile. Big bet. I know they deleted. Just for Tom. I know they deleted all of the old, like old profiles, like all the people that were inactive forever. Because I know for a while it was like bands were still using it and they were trying to turn it into like Reverb Nation, right? Sure. But it just never took off. I mean, once something's dead, it's hard to revive it. Well, it's also hard to evolve something into something else. Once you already yeah. have like the name of MySpace, we all knew what that was. That was like at the beginning social media platform. And then if you try to turn that into something else, it just doesn't work yep. as streamlined as if you created something new. Yeah, from MySpace to Facebook to Twitter, you know, now Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Bit, all of it, right? I just reach out to people, man. I mean, like I said, what's the worst they're going to do? Say no. Like, if I hit you up and you're like, yeah, nah, dog, uh, we don't want reckless on fish tank, I'd be like, okay. all right, cool, good luck, bro. I'll still be checking shit out. Absolutely. That's the, all you can do. You just got to ask. And I think that's the hardest part because, I yep. mean, that's what I do now is while I'm still doing my interviews with, my, with the local people that I have here, I'm still reaching out to people online yep. trying to book other sessions because now I can do everything over the phone. Yep. And I just did my first one a couple days ago. And, you know, I still got to figure out some of the kinks with yep. it because when I, when I edited the audio today... You know, it's a little bit different when you're doing a phone-in yeah. type of call opposed to doing it in person like we're doing right now. Yeah. The sound quality is not that good, so I might want to try to like look. Because I was just calling over Google. Right. So I might want to try to look at some other platforms, whether it be Skype or something else. But You can do it on Facebook, too. Yeah, but I have a feeling. I mean, I, I, I haven't tried it yet, but I have a feeling the quality is going to be similar. Because I've done Facebook yeah, calls true. in general. That's true. And those Facebook calls are always a little, little funky. Yeah, that's true. That's how I'm doing Reckless Radio, too. Is want, phone calls. Ryan, I want you to tell me a little bit about Reckless Radio, and I want you to tell me a little bit about Flunked. Okay, so Reckless Radio is a podcast series that I relaunched uh, recently. I relaunched it in November with an interview with DJ Spadus from Denton. Dope ass dude. R&B Basement Party shoutouts. We relaunched it in November. I let it chill for the holidays, right? You know, again, family man, your boy is busy during the holiday seasons, man. Your boy ain't got time for all that, Okay. But it's January now. We good. We ready to go, right? It's 2020. New New decade, new reckless. You know what I'm saying? So we relaunched it. We got, uh, man, we got Tisley on it. And he was from Taiwan, right? And then we just had uh, Re-Up on it. And he's from Dallas and grew up in like El Paso, but he plays in Dallas all the time now. Man, it's just a platform to showcase your shit. I mean, straight up, it is a platform. Everybody, I dude, I have rappers coming up, DJs, all genres, house, dubstep, trap. We got some chill out guys coming out. We have a record label doing takeover on it. We have a model and a singer coming out on it to talk. Dude, I am about all of it. I want businesses on it. We are reaching out to everybody and anybody. Look, there's a lot of DJs. That I have to say, just in my circle, that may be listening to the Fish Tank Sessions now or have listened to the Fish Tank System before. But if you don't know of Reckless Ryan, hit him up. Check him out. Get oh, yeah. on his show. Yeah, I'm. Uh, we're booked up until April right now. But, hey, I mean, we got the rest of the year after that. You know what I'm saying? We still got eight months after that. April will be here real quick. Oh, yeah. And we, like I said, we take all genres, man. I'm an easy man to talk to. You can find me Reckless Ryan anywhere. You can find me Ryan Butler anywhere, too. Got the same profile picture, so it's easy to tell. <laughs> Keep it consistent. Oh, yeah. What is Flunked? Flunked is my record label. Flunked Records, baby. It's, again, a record label, but we're a lot more select with it. We showcase artists that I hand choose for the most part. We do, again, all genres. We got some drum and bass. We got some dubstep coming up. We have a bunch of house. I'm a house head, so it is what it is with it. We're a record label, man. We're on everything. We're on Spotify. We're on uh, Tidal, Beatport, Track Source, 
Apple Music, man, Google Play, Amazon, Tesla. And you were sharing your also blah, on blah. SoundCloud too, right? Yeah, everything. We're on everything. SoundCloud. We're on every single platform that you can be on for music, to sell music, right? Man, and honestly, if you hit me up, dude, I'll give the tracks away for free if you're a DJ to play. I don't care. We're not in it to make money, and everyone on the label knows that. We're in it to have a spot for all of our music to professionally be out, right? So if you want it on something, you can have a million options to get it. If you want to buy it, buy it, support us. We'd love it. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to sell music now and we get it. We would rather have the support, especially if you also run a podcast or something, right? If you want to throw our tracks on there, hit us up. We'll share it. Everyone on the label will share it. We all support each other and we're spread out between different states too. We have Texas, we have Kansas and we have Puerto Rico and we're reaching out. Uh, We're about to have Oklahoma and possibly Arkansas marked out too. So a bunch of Mid-South, you know, and then Puerto Rico. Yep. (laughs) Can't forget about that Porto. Oh yeah. Oh man. The homie Gustavo Adafo out there, man. And they've been getting hit with some crazy earthquakes too. So he checks in with us every day. He lets us know how it is out there and everything. You were showing me uh, earlier some of those tracks with that guy. Man, you guys were freaking getting down, man. Some of those mixes were clean. Those transitions were dope. I was getting down to it in the living room. Oh yeah. He's uh, he is a great producer he's better than me i'm producing right i got him on the mixing though so uh, <laughs> ownership but, yeah yeah you know what i'm saying you better watch out gustavo i uh control flunked no i'm playing <laughs> he's dope he is up there as he's one of my favorite producers personally not even as like just you know we work together like his music itself is he can go any genre i mean any genre this boy can structure a track like no other and he does it. He'll send me just random shit. And he won't put out or anything. He'll just do it for his own fun. He'll just structure. He'll do jazz tracks. He'll do, like, Jersey Club tracks. I mean, dude, he does everything. He's just like the, the kitchen sink of just music. How I am with mixing, right? Because I'll put out guest mixes like nothing, do all this stuff. He is with producing, right? Like, I wish I could get on that level yeah. of producing. That that's, boy that's just very talented. There. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so we, we got some more stuff up the sleeves, too, that I didn't even show you yet. So we got. Well, I mean, you can yeah. only show me so much in a short interaction. That's true. That's true. That's true. I got a lot up the sleeves that were coming out this year. So we, it's it's gonna be fun, man. I'm doing a lot of collabs this year. That's a big goal of mine is to do more collabs with people. Um, in the past, I've kind of just done my own. Sometimes it's hard to work with people, not because you know it's hard to deal with people. It's just hard to get both of your ideas together on the same wave. Correct. I, in fact, I've, I've had other people on that have said the exact same <clears throat> similar type of sentence where it's hard to get completely involved with a person that has a different outlook where you want something to go this way and this person has an outlook to go a completely opposite mm-hmm. way and then all of a sudden it just clashes and it doesn't work out. Yeah, especially when you're not in the studio together, right? Right? Again, social media, the heaven, right? If you use it right, it's amazing. We send stems back and forth to each other or MIDI or whatever. So we're not in the studio together at all, ever. But we'll sit here and work on tracks. And sometimes they're hits. Sometimes they are, you know, strike three, you're out, son. Yeah, it just depends, man. It, it's really hard like I said, when you're not in the studio together. Yeah, I mean, because when you're collabing together, when you're when you're side by side, it's a little bit different. When you're doing it virtual or you're just kind of doing it piece by piece where you're just kind of sending each finished product to each other, yep. it's different to kind of see the time and energy that goes into it than when you're working on something together where you're kind of both involved with it. And then you can see, okay, 
we're bonding, we're putting something together that we're actually all building. Right. But then you're, at that point, you're almost kind of building it piece by piece because I look at it for what I do in my regular job. We build PowerPoints occasionally. Right, right. We don't ever typically build the PowerPoints together. Right. You know, I'll build a couple pieces of it and then I'll send over that draft over to that person and then they'll work on a couple of drafts right. and to another person and then finally we look at the finished project and we're like, uh, why'd they do that there? Well, you wouldn't know unless you were all together collaborating on one. Right. And it's uh, this Trent Reznor actually had a great quote too. It's why would I compromise my musical integrity for anybody else? Right. And I think a lot of artists feel that way too. Cause it's like, you're not going to put something out that you're not a hundred percent with. Right. Absolutely. And if you would, why, you know what I mean? So, just I to mean, get it out there for just yeah, that makes some extra noise. Yeah. Fuck all that dog. If you're not 100% happy with it on both sides, I mean, in my opinion, don't put it out, man. Take like, it back to the drawing board, then recreate it, clean it up a little bit more. Even if you have to release it two months later, three months later, six months later, at least you know you're proud of what you're putting out. Not everything you create needs to have public ears, right? Some of it's a learning experience, man. Some of it just needs to go straight from the computer to the trash can and delete forever. But you'll learn certain things, right? You'll find, you know, maybe a new percussion like element that you wanted and you really liked it in that track, but man, that track is just not grooving, dog, and you gotta put it into a different track, and next thing you know, the track and you're getting a million plays and you know, you, you recreated animals. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and like, it could be the exact same track, but all you did was just change up the percussions and all of a sudden now it's like a huge hit. Yeah, I mean that's dude, that's how it works, man. I think Laidback Luke said that not every not every track you make in the studio needs to have public ears. Sometimes it's just a learning experience track. And I mean, I, I full on believe that too, because I have so many little work in progress. I'm going to write that note down. That's a really good note right there. Yeah, man. I, I, I try to spit out quotes. I, I live life by quotes, man. Cause dude, there's so many good ones. You know what I mean? There's so many shit ones, but there's so many good ones too. Absolutely. Production is, it's tough, man. Cause it's it's painting, right? I mean, it, it is. It's painting with audio. And so it's hard to collab sometimes. Like, you know, I'm getting back on the collab thing. But it's hard to collab with paints. You know what I mean? It's just sometimes you got to paint your own your own brush, man. Hey, like like Bob Ross. Yeah, you know, man. you just got to make your own forbidden kingdom sometimes. So over here, we have trees. Oh, we may have messed up. Let's just make that a butterfly. Oh, what a beautiful. So man, like, Ryan, you're you're a family man. So like, what is like your, you know, the woman in your life, your kids? What do they all think about all this that you do? Oh man, first off, shout out to baby mama. You oh, know what I'm saying? Gotta give oh, a shout out to baby mama. Always. I, I love you, girl. <laughs> uh, yo, baby mama's cool with it. I mean, it's not her jive. You know, like she doesn't like electronic music really at all. She'll dig some new disco though. Like I put on some new disco and I catch her getting the shoulders bobbing, the little shuffle. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, you like it, don't oh, you? Oh yeah. I, I like have that. tried to convince her to be like, yo, hey. Let me teach you to DJ. We can do a little back-to-back, you know what I'm saying? I'll get you in front of the crowd. You might start fucking with it, you know? You might love the energy. And she just, she she ain't about it. No. <laughs> nah, she gets uh, really bad. So, this is another thing, man. She gets really bad anxiety, right? I have awful, awful social anxiety. You would never be able to guess it. Never would have guessed it. In front of a crowd, dude, I'm fine. If If, if I know the attention is on me... I am 100 fine. I am good to go, baby. You put me in a crowd, in a group, can't do it, dog. 
I start hyperventilating. I can't do it, man. I have to drink, which is actually like what got me. I was a hardcore alcoholic at like 21, right? Because I was at all these clubs, you know, didn't have kids, didn't have baby mama, whatever, whatever, right? Your boy was just living life, okay? Man, the only way for me to function in these groups, these clubs was, you know, hey, get drunk. I can't. I don't feel the anxiety then. But you know what, man? To be honest, that's nothing to be ashamed of because there's so many people today and that's how they are. Right. Because I know many of those people and it's like you can't even go out without seeing somebody with a drink in their hand. It's because it's just a social drink. Yep. And then after a while, that social drink becomes more than a social drink. Yep. And next thing you know, they're completely plastered for no reason. Yeah. At an event maybe that you shouldn't have been plastered for. Maybe yeah. you, were, you were involved with it somehow and you just let loose. But it's a social anxiety that you don't yep. know that you have. But all of a sudden, the only way that you deal with it is just by drinking. Yeah, it took me a, a while to actually figure that out. And it was actually being with baby mama and her talking about her social anxiety and all of that, that I actually clicked the two together and was like, holy shit, I have really bad social anxiety as well. Holy fuck, that makes so much sense. And since then, I've been able to actually control my drinking and know when to show up to the club, that it's not going to make me freak out and stuff like that. I think everybody at some point in their life has almost kind of gone through a phase like that. Because right. I'm not even I'm not a big drinker out publicly. I'll go out, but I, I mean, I'll keep it reserved to maybe two or three drinks max. Right. Very rarely do I usually go over the top, which it's just not part of my DNA anymore. Now, it used to be. And I remember being that person that would go out with big groups, and I always felt like, you know, I always had to have a drink in my hand. Yeah, it's tough being nicknamed Reckless, too, dog. Everyone wants Reckless to come out, right? And then this is at family functions, too, man. Everybody wants Reckless to come out. They don't, you know, Ryan's the cool, whatever. He's the dad, whatever. But we want Reckless out here, boy. We want Reckless. Get Reckless on out. Bring out the wrecking ball. Dude, sometimes it is tough, dog. Because if I'm not sitting there just drinking or acting crazy, whatever, right? People are like, well, what's wrong? I'm like, well, you got dog, you, I'm you just gotta find, and I'm sure you've already found it by now, but you gotta find your sober reckless where you could still oh, be yeah. all that high energy reckless without having to be, you know, five, six drinks deep. Yeah, no, and that's that's something uh that I've I have found and still working on, you know, right? Not to sound like this turned into like a therapy session. I like it, but uh, now tell me your thoughts. Yeah. So here today on Frasier, <laughs> we got the ambient music coming on later. Not finding the chill reckless right is been a project, right? I mean, now I'm fine. I'll go to the club, have two beers, I'm good to go. A money wise, dog, because I'm not spending a hundred bucks at a club every time. And B, yeah, just for health reasons, like dog, I am not putting myself in that position again. Not and with I, kids. As we get older now and have more responsibilities, that's really what it comes down to. It's yeah. not even about having a good time. It's like just worrying about your own health. It's like you know what? If I'm drinking that much, it's not even like good for me. Yeah, man. And it's like I gained a lot of weight from like just drinking beer, right? And then I'll cut out. Beer here for a couple months i'm right back to norm i'm good to go you know what i mean so it's amazing the effect that alcohol has on just like gaining weight yeah i I went through something like that too when i was in my early 20s i mean i went through a phase because at that point i was in outside sales so i basically sat in my car all the time right and all i would do was just like as soon as i got home i would just drink right and i would just have a couple of beers or i'd have vodkas and i was always mixing with like different sodas and shit and at one point you know my normal weight is like 205 pounds like that's my normal weight and I got up to 250 pounds. And for me, that was big. And I remember going through that phase and trying to work through it. And it took me, I mean, I, I got into the gym, I cut out alcohol, 
and I was working on my diet. I wasn't eating fast food anymore. And I got back down to like 198 pounds Hell in the yeah, course dude. of like four months. And I was just blown away at what that difference was. Yeah, dude. So I got up to 290-something, right, when baby mom was pregnant the first time. Because your boy was drinking and the boy had the pregnancy cravings yeah. as well. Plus, so. she's chilling. So then yeah. you're chilling. And while you're chilling, you know, you're probably throwing him back. You know, yeah. eat whatever the hell you want to eat. Yeah, dude. So, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I got up to damn near 300 pounds, man. I was chipmunk looking. Got them cheeks. Oh, boy. <laughs> I cut out beer, uh, switched my job to where I was doing more physical work, right? And, dude, in a month, I kid you not, I lost, like, 50 pounds. I mean, it was damn near hitting the gym every day with what I was doing at work. I was, I mean, physically just leaving drenched in sweat. And I cut out beer, and I was eating healthier, too, right? Like, I would sit there, and every for my lunch at work, it'd just be a salad. My salad would be spinach, tomatoes, cheese, croutons, a little bit of a... Garlic salt, right? Because I don't like ranch at all. So I know ranch is unhealthy well, as hell. Especially in Texas. I mean, everybody loves ranch out here. I was going to say, I'm a weird I'm weird dog. I hate ranch, man. I don't like sour cream. I don't like guacamole, bro. I'm weird, So, so if you ever ordered a salad, what kind of dressing do you get? Dry, dog. Dry, you have a dry salad. Dry salad with, I put some salt on it. That's it. A little yeah, bit of salt. So you put, like, not even like an, like an oil and vinaigrette or something? Nah, man. I would, so if there's tomatoes with the salad, I'll kind of, like, put the tomato juice on it, right? And I love lime juice, man. If I can get limes and squeeze the lime into it, big bet. You know what I'm saying? I love the citrus of it. I cannot imagine eating a dry salad. Dude, I don't, I, I dig it, dude. I just, I don't like ranch, man. I don't like any vinegar at all. I hate vinegar, but... Here's the joke on that. I love Tabasco. Boom. Mic drop. I don't I put Tabasco. <laughs> They're connected. They yeah. can't drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I put Tabasco on everything, but I hate like vinegar based thing. Balsamic vinegar, uh, you know, apple cider vinegar and shit. I fucking hate it. But man, Tabasco on everything, dog. I know exactly what you mean. Like I don't own Tabasco here. I'm not a huge fan of the red Tabasco. I like the green one. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what it's called, but I only get it when I go to Chipotle. Oh, yeah? So whenever I go to Chipotle, I always get the salad. I get rice on my salad. I get my, my chicken or my steak. Got to have the sour cream. I love sour cream. But then I'll go, I'll take my salad dressing over to the bar where they have like all the Tabascos and whatnot. And then I'll always drop like, I don't know, 20, 25 drops of that green Tabasco in there. Mm-hmm. Mix that all in with the dressing and pour that all over that Chipotle bowl. And it, oh my God, it's Dude. so good. See, I'm a I'm a big Freebirds guy. Dude, there's a Freebirds like literally like a half a mile by my by my house. Dog. And I have not been. Dude, you haven't been? No, I need to go check the place out. Dog, you mean we're gonna have a Freebird day someday, bro. Sooner it's or later. So yes. good, dog. And uh dude, so they have like this red sauce there, right? Like the salsa. You know, Chipotle has a red salsa. Mm-hmm. Dude, Freebirds red salsa. Next level. And, dude, I put that on there. And then I'll put their death sauce or whatever it's called. They have right? a death sauce? Death yeah. or death? Death. D-E-A-T-H. Okay. Yeah, death sauce. Death, 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 death. It's not really spicy, but it has flavor. Right? You know, Cholula, right? Of course, Cholula, yes. not oh. spicy, but do that flavor. That flavor. Next level, I can't, bro. I cannot have tacos without Cholula on it. Yeah, dude. Cholula. Oh, my God. I love to put it on pizza, too, man. I've seen people that actually put it on pizza. I am not a fan to put it on pizza, but when it comes to any type of taco, mm-hmm. Cholula's got to be in the mix. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love those sauces, man. Tapatio, dude. Valentino or Valentino or whatever. Tapatio is a whole nother animal right there. Yes, I is. think that's got to be second to me for Cholula because I actually have both in my fridge and Tapatio, 
I'll make these, uh, not brisket, but it's like the marinated fajita meat that I'll get Ooh, at the Mexican meat market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I'll put like, you know, onions, lettuce, tomatoes, sour cream, avocado. And then I'll just like put a couple of dabs of that tapatio on there. Man, it makes it authentic. Dude, I'm about it, bro. That sounds so good, dude. I'm getting hungry now, bro. I know, right? Man, the fish tank is going to turn into the food tank. Hey, we only got one fish here, and we ain't eating Goldine. <laughs> She's bro. my baby. I want to know, before you were producing, like, I mean, you were a DJ at a young age. You've right. been around the block a couple times, let's just say. Yeah. So what kind of events or shows have you played maybe in the past that you can maybe speak about? So some of my bigger ones is I actually opened for Chainsmokers three hours straight. I was from 9 to 10 or 12 or whatever. Yeah, so 9 to 12. They came on right after me. That was fun. That was in Houston, Stereo Live. That was lit, dude. That was some next level stuff. And I it was fun because you have to build a story on your mix, right? Well, especially if you're playing a mix that long. I mean, that's, that's what a I'm story. saying. Yeah. So you have to I mean, build. So you can watch Titanic from 9 to 12. That's what I'm saying. You have to build the vibe, dog. You can't just banger after banger after banger for three hours, dog. You run out of fucking bangers, bro. Well, that's the problem I think a lot of DJs have now, too, that I see is like as soon as someone new goes on, they just open up with this heavy ass shit. It's like, okay, come on, come in soft. Yeah. And then fuck me. Yeah. So I'm I'm the same way. Uh, I like to open up with some chill stuff, like a quarter of the way through my mix, start banging stuff out, and then go back, bring the vibe back down, right? And then towards the end of my mix, boom, right back at it. And then if I'm going into somebody else, you know, they're coming in, you know, it feeds off their energy. Most of the time they'll play some more upbeat than go into their chill or whatever, or they'll do the same thing, chill to upbeat, right? If you're going to do the big heavy lit, shit to start you need an intro that is the number one thing that i can tell new cats that are starting out listening whatever dude if you're gonna go lit intro you need a massive big intro gotta build it up exactly and you need to make them remember so i opened for midnight tea i wasn't direct support but i was you know right before direct support okay so they wanted a lit set right i mean it's it's midnight tea i mean yeah the place is packed all right the guys before me were playing like experimental trap or something, right? And then they started getting into like more bass house, whatever, more lit shit. And then I come in, right? And the crowd, I can tell they're wanting something else. They're wanting a little bit something else. They're they're digging it, but they're not where they should be. They're not, you know, dance. They're not arms up, whatever, whatever. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna play this uh, this remix I have, right? It was it's five seconds. It's a lucky date remix, right? It's old. This thing is old. It's like 2012, and I played it in like 2016 or 17. Okay, this thing is still it. I mean, you can play it now and it's fine. Uh, it starts off with like, you have five seconds to terminate this tape. Five. Four and then it like ding 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 and it's like oh shit and then it's like three, two, one and it's like one and even something like that that build up I mean that that's all you really need exactly you just can't go in just freaking blowing the speakers out nah dude and that well that's the thing it make you mix in right and then it hits that breakdown so it's like you got the vibe going and that breakdown's a minute long dude so it's i mean it's lit i mean it builds up and then by the end of it they're like terminate dude it gets it you know i mean it's like it's a big electro track so it gets it i think if you come out too heavy you can't really capture the crowd because they kind of lose that that momentum you got to exactly. build that momentum up and then just kind of break their neck or yeah, hit them in the face yeah and you can't just hit them with something they know to start off with that's the thing that i see a lot of people come into too is 
they'll hit them with the top 40 track immediately. Nah, dog, you got to win the crowd over first. When they're switching DJs, they know, they can tell. They're not stupid, they can see you. So if you come in and immediately playing some top 40, unless you're playing at like 12 or 1 on a Friday or Saturday, dog, they ain't wanting to hear that yet. They're still warming up, right? They're still getting their drinks in them, right? And that's the thing, too. As I love to open, right? I'm a, I mean, I play headlining a lot, but I love to open, too, which is why I don't bitch about it. I don't complain. I don't care where you put me on the time slot. I'm going to kill it. I know how to play any time slot you put me at. Even if the doors ain't open yet, I'll warm up the damn bartender. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll get things going. My opening set is 100 million light years different from my headlining set. I'm playing, you know, Prague or Deep House, right? Building the groove. I'm letting people drink. I'm, I don't want them dancing at 9 to 10. I don't care That's about That's their time them. to have yeah. fun, enjoy themselves, talk to their friends, get the vibes going. Exactly. Start trying to talk to a chick or a dude or whatever. What, whatever whatever they're into. Yeah, dude. I don't A fish. You can talk to a fish if you want. You Not know what Goldine. I mean? Not Goldine. She's off yeah. limits. Keep the vibe going. Get yeah, the vibes exactly. going. You know, they're drinking. They're having fun. They're enjoying the music. And then it's also the buildup for the main event. Yeah, exactly, man. Because you don't want your people wore out for your headliner. No. You don't want them not dancing for your headliner because then the headliner don't want to work with you again. They want a lit show just like the fans want a lit show. So, I mean, it's, you know, and that's just my opinion as well. You know, other people I'm sure think different and that's cool. That's just something I've learned from the years and years of being in the music industry and doing it. Volume is a big key part of it too, man. A lot of people think the louder you are, the better better you're going to connect with the crowd that's a lie yeah i agree with you on that yeah man i i purposely will lower my if they if i notice that they didn't set a limit on me right because a lot of clubs they'll set a limit on the people yeah if i notice that there's not a limit that i can set whatever i want dog i'm turning my i'm turning my volume down i'm not hitting a certain point if i'm opening i've been around the block i know that's how they want it done i know that's how the crowd connects to it you don't want your opener fucking same volume as your headliner that's your energy's gone you know what i mean you're building the energy through the night subtly just by raising the volume uh, i've also heard it's also like a thing that's frowned upon too like if oh you yeah raise like that master volume that's, oh, like a, yeah. that's like a huge shun like you don't do that yeah no nah, dude there's a lot of people with some balls that do it and i'm just like man y'all are more reckless than me y'all have the name i guess <laughs> <laughs> I, I ain't about it dog i mean yo have fun dog but also respect the rules, you know, like there are always rules when it's yeah. not your venue or it's not your event. There are rules to follow. Yeah. And it's, if it's your event, you're probably booking yourself to headline anyway. So do whatever the fuck you want. You know what I mean? Like, but if you're opening, open up, you don't, you know what I'm saying? You don't start the night off fucking doing Jaeger bombs. You started off with a beer or two. You know that's what I mean? How it starts. Yeah. That's what I'm right saying. Right before you get into the Uber, you might take one Jaeger bomb, but until you get out to the show and that Jaeger bomb actually starts hitting you. Yeah. That's when you want to let loose. Yeah, exactly, man. A lot of people have fear of like public talking, right? That's like the biggest fear I've ever heard. Exactly. Uh, and every, that, almost everybody mm, has it. And imagine being in front of people DJing, right? It's almost the same. Even though you're not talking the whole time. I mean, you might say a couple of words, but even just standing in there in front of the crowd playing, I mean, you still got all eyes on you. Exactly. And especially if you have to get on the mic for whatever reason, introduce the next cat or to try to talk about yourself. If you're sitting there, you know, shaking, you're like, hey, guys, I'm a reckless Ryan. Nobody, nobody's going to, yo, dog, nobody fucking with that. You know what I'm saying? So you get on the mic, you're like, what's up, motherfuckers? It's reckless Ryan in this bitch. Then everyone fucks with that dog. It's the energy. You know what I'm saying? It's all about the energy. Yeah, man. The more you can sit there and be comfortable in front of anything, any situation, fucked up equipment, perfect equipment, a microphone, 
5,000 people to zero people. You just be comfortable for everything. Take any, uh, if you're a starting producer or a DJ, take any gig you can get at any time slot. Don't bitch, don't moan, do what you can, show up early, support the night, promote the fuck out of it, help your other DJs if they need help, stay till the end if you can, you know, if you don't have work or whatever, then it is what it is. Stay till the end to help clean up, do everything you can to show, hey, I'm about this shit, I want to be here. I'm I'm trying to learn, you know, and that's the key thing, man. If you're honest with people, if you're open that, you know, hey, I'm new. Uh, I think honesty is like one of the biggest things. I think some people oh, yeah. are so scared to admit, hey, I've never played on CDJs or, hey, I've never played on stage before. Mm-hmm. And maybe they are pretty good closet wise or at home. But when it actually comes to that moment where they actually get to shine, it's like, OK, this is actually happening. Yeah. Wow. Wow. OK. And actually they their turn to play. It's like this is all new to me. And a lot of times people don't want to admit that because – it's an ego thing, you know, right. especially if they got booked to do an opening set or even if they're, you know, they had a really good mix and they booked them to even do like a pre, not a pre, a post opening set. Where right. We're play, not playing like the very beginning, maybe like middle, mediocre or right before the main headliner. Right. And they haven't performed in front of a crowd. It's nervous to anybody. Oh, yeah. No, nah, dude, I remember, dude. Uh, <laughs> so I was doing like birthday parties and weddings and fucking retirement parties and shit. Right. Just to get comfortable. And, you know, because it. Made me my cash in high school. I didn't have a job in high school. I was DJing. So that's how I would get cash to afford shit is DJing all these different parties. My first actual gig in dance music, you know, cl- not club scene, but just the scene itself was Euphoria Music Festival. My first actual fucking EDM gig was a festival, dog. That's pretty impressive. Dude, you want to talk about being freaked out? Because you're not just playing for like a couple hundred people. No. No, 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 thousands of people. Yeah, and I was opening, right? I was opening in the silent disco tent. It is what it is with it, right? But dude, I was, I was seventeen. I was a junior in high school. I won a contest in a different city. I didn't even fucking think I was had a chance in hell. And then your boys up in the top five, the whole mix. I'm like, or the whole contest, and I'm like, and then all my homies are helping promote it. And everything, blah blah blah, right? I win. Dude, I'm driving down there with my parents. Your boy ain't got a license. I had to drive with my parents down there. You know what I'm saying? And so they're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. You know, we get into the hotel. And we're uh, we're like, "Um, yeah, hi. uh, My name's Ryan. Uh, I think y'all have a room for me. And they're like, oh, yeah, we've been expecting you, Mr. Butler. And I was like, bro, dude, this shit's lit. Next level. Yeah, dude. And uh, oh, my God, bro. So we got the hotel room, and, you know, parents were tripping out over that and everything. And I get to the club, dude, or not the club, but the festival. Right. And, you know, I'm trying to set up my equipment because I, I, I was using the controller. I didn't, I didn't know how to use CDJs. You know, I'm trying to get set up and everything. I've got a little small corner of the table for my fucking controller. And I'm the only one using controller, of course, the fucking 17-year-old motherfucker. And, dude, oh, my God, I'm sitting there, like, shaking, trying to set the equipment up. Wait, so you didn't use the CDJs? <laughs> dude, I couldn't. I didn't know how to use them. Wow. So they actually let you use your own, your own uh, deck? So, yeah, so this is back when... It was so artists like Zed and Porter Robinson and stuff like that were actually using controllers on tour. This is like back when controllers were still kind of accepted, like they were on the where, fence. Where CDJs weren't just like the the standard mark. Yeah, I mean they were, but they weren't the end all, right? Like now, dog, hey, it's all CDJs. Yeah, unless you're playing like a like a weekly local, you know, a local weekly right. or something like that. Well, you're bringing yeah. you're bringing your own mixer and you're hooking up your laptop and yeah. you're playing it that way. <clears throat> yeah, and it's all homies and shit. Correct. Yeah, yeah it's all, all the clubs now. It's CDJs, and uh, so 
man, yeah, I'm sitting there playing on the controller and getting ready. I'm shaking, you know, and trying to, like, jump and be active. And I'm, like, looking down the whole time. And I peep up and I look back down. Oh, I'm scared shitless, dude. And I remember... I will never forget this moment. I jumped up during a drop, right? And my headphones went flying off. Oh, God. And I couldn't find them. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, what the fuck do I do? Because this is before I can mix without headphones. Right. And I'm talking to these artists backstage, you know, and I'm like shy as hell. And this is my first time ever meeting anything in the EDM scene, doing anything in the EDM scene at all. Like so I was a 17-year-old. I couldn't even go without my parents signing like that they, it was fine for me to go. <laughs> Got to be honest, though, Ryan. You definitely spit some freaking knowledge and also some hell of experiences this way. And I'm just hella grateful for that. No, if, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Man, literally anything and everything. Uh, man, I'm on Twitter at DJ Reckless Ryan. Facebook, Reckless Ryan as my page. You know, Ryan Butler as the profile. SoundCloud, Tidal, uh, fucking Spotify, Apple, everything. All the music sites, just Reckless Ryan. Instagram's at DJ Reckless Ryan. Uh, if you can't find me on Reckless Ryan, do the DJ in front. You can guarantee to find me. Those are my older. You know, I had those forever. So back when I was still just DJ Reckless Ryan. Now I'm a producer, motherfucker. Now it's Reckless Ryan. You heard it, man. <laughs> so look, if anybody's out there being aspiring or actually just wants to get in touch with Ryan, maybe they can learn a few things or two. Or maybe they, they want to get on Reckless Ryan Radio. Give them a holler. Give them a shout. You never know what's going to happen. Worst he could say is no. But I can tell you right now, it's probably not going to be the case. Ryan, I thank you so much for coming on today, man. I was looking at the time and I was like, holy shit. It's already been over an hour. Oh, shit. And a lot of the podcasts that I've done haven't even gone this long. And I'm always watching at the time, like, all right, we're at 30 minutes. And we just, like, had this whole flow conversation. And, right. Dude, I'm totally grateful for all of it. Hey, thank you for letting me talk your head off, bro. I appreciate, <laughs> no, I appreciate you, sir. Is there anything else you want to lead our listeners off with before we go? Hey, uh, check out Flunked Re- Records as well, man. Flunked Records on everything. It's just F-U. Well, oh, my bad. I can't even spell That's why it's Flunked. <laughs> F-L-U-N-K-E-D Records everything all the social media sites all the music sites everything and anything flunked records it's not just me it's a whole group of artists we got calico jack reno collins engine trouble from kansas uh hyperphonic from kansas man we got some more unannounced i can't say nothing yet but we got some more stuff coming out soon and he gave me some he gave me some teasers to what's coming out soon oh yeah damn you're gonna want to you're not gonna want to miss this shit oh yeah so go check out flunk records uh, can I plug some shows real quick? Go for it. All right, cool. Uh, yo, you can check me out at Electric Skate. Definitely check that out. That's the roller skating disco going on at Grapevine at Skate Town. You already know. So check that out. That's going to be dope as hell. That's uh, thrown by Prickly Pete. Uh, check me out down at Web House in San Antonio. We're doing a Flunk Record Showcase. So we have some, uh, it's pretty much Dallas versus San Antonio DJs. We're doing back-to-backs. First time, unique, ever, probably only time ever hearing these type of sets. We're doing one Dallas DJ and one San Antonio DJ. Never before met, never seen nothing back-to-back. You guys heard her here first, so we'll see you next time on Fish Tank Sessions.